look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? We got a great show. I'm doing good. We got a great show today. Well, we're going to talk about um, the gift that you may leave behind on an estate. Okay. Nobody sits in front of us when we're doing our legacy bucket planning and says, "I want to leave a fight behind. <laughs> I want my family to be destroyed by this." So we're going to talk a little bit about some some common, um, maybe surprising estate planning mistakes that can cause fights within the family. Um, let's talk about about COVID, um, and it's not specific to COVID, but there's, an exo- there's a mental exhaustion that we're hearing about yeah. now. We'll, in, u- we'll in use the word pandemic, because it's not just the, the virus itself, it's the, it's the ramification yeah. of the virus. Yeah. Um, many people are not experiencing the virus, but they're, rec- they're experiencing the pandemic. Yeah, that's yeah, actually an excellent distinction for sure. And the exhaustion from that. Oh. Now, this happens at other times, but what we're seeing is it's amplified. Right. And it's maybe a little bit more complicated now, because if you're at the towards the tail end of your career um, or two thirds of the way through the career, you, you could be in a position where you're, you're getting mentally exhausted, but you may not quite be ready to retire. I can't look for another job right now, maybe because of what's going on in the environment. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. You, you bring that up because, you know, we we're. We're in a position where people call us up and say, can I retire? Right. So we get anecdotal evidence. Right. And then you take it a couple steps further. And I'm, I'm on this retirement chat on Facebook where um, there's thousands amongst thousands of, of uh, attendees to this chat group all across North America. So it's not an Alberta thing or a Calgary thing. This is a North American right. uh, dialogue. And people are tired, exhausted and in fear of if they can retire. Right. And they don't know. So you're, they're literally asking everybody else in the group, okay, look, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. What do I have to do to get prepared for retirement? Mm-hmm. So you're getting advice from people who are feeling the exact same thing you're feeling. Right. Right. It's very interesting right. being part of this, this chat group and how and where they get their information from. This is why one thing that we do on this show is try to educate and inform people so that they've got some sort of process mm-hmm. they can go through that, that will help them in these situations. And I think with the ongoing fear, the ongoing um, stress levels that are happening in, um, it, it, during this pandemic, people are really considering and scared of yeah. going to retirement. Yeah. Yes. So, so what do we do? More, more than normal. Right? More yeah. than normal. Oh, yeah. Um, so how do we take that fear out? So first of all, let me, let me tell you wh- why that, where that fear comes from. Because there's, there's a very real reason why when you go through this transition, right, you're, you're, you're quaking in your boots a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's because if you think about anybody that's familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs will know that that pyramid, at the very base of the pyramid is feeding yourself and feeding the family. Okay, let's assume that we're not there. That next level is security. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you think about leaving the job, something you perhaps have done for a very long time, yeah. leaving the paycheck behind, right? If you don't have a defined benefit plan, right? Then there's this, this gap, this income uh, fear of losing that. So that security, that base of security has been shaken. Yeah. That's what you're going, that's what you will experience. If you're in a, if you're in a couple, probably one of the two of you, if not both of you, will experience this. And so think about that, right? 
if, if I know that's taking place and what do I need to do? I need to work backwards to figure out how to stabilize that base of the pyramid again mm-hmm. to allow me to enjoy the experience of retirement. And so the process I, you have to go through is, is, number one, I think you've got to be honest about whether or not you, you're done. So are you done? And listen, being done doesn't mean you're done forever. Yeah. It could be a temporary step, right? Yeah. So you could just say, I'm... I'm we, done for now. Yeah, we do a lot. And you may go back later. That's okay. Mark Michael Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> Leave and then come yeah. back. Yeah, just come back with number 23. Don't yeah. try to change your okay. number. So, <laughs> so, so I, I think that's a very important piece is because you could be done for now and then come and do something different. But but address now. Yeah, and I, I think this is, this is where I, I wish our industry, media, and so forth would just change the, the word from retirement right. to financial independence. I think think financial independence gives you the choice to do what you want to do, Mm -hmm. right? And I've always said retirement may be chosen upon you for whatever reason, health, loss of job, whatever. But financial independence puts the power in your hands. Okay. So how do we figure that out? Because you're right, right? And establish and and build that base again. Yeah. Number one, be realistic. Are you done for now? Is this a trend? You've got to make the decision. The pressure leading up to the decision is very, very difficult. Yeah. Make the decision. You'll have a pressure release right there. Yeah. Okay? How do you make that decision? You probably should do some analysis first. Oh, absolutely. Okay? So get control by establishing either on your own or with your partner, what is lifestyle going to look like for the next little while? So what are you going to do? Yeah. There's going to be some cost attached to whatever you decide there. Correct. Let's be realistic about what that is. And I don't mean, again, just feeding the family. What's the experience that you're going to have? Yeah. Put some pen to paper. Take a little bit of time. Figure that out. Yeah. Right? And then you need to meet with somebody who's got some experience in this area, a you know, certified financial planner. Well, this is where a <laughs> retirement transition specialist comes into play. Yeah. Because, yes, I'm a certified financial planner. There's a whole bunch of them out there. There are a whole bunch of advisors out there. Yeah. But this is where you need a specialist that right. comes on board. And there's for the specialists that are out there, this is, a, this is the reason why they do what they do. Yeah. And so going to a specialist... And, and understanding your options, yep. understanding what the numbers may look like, right? right? And, and how does this all work? Right. Financially first. Just get, get the financials so you're, you're independent financially. Then you can get mentally prepared to do it or not. Yeah, then the step. But, but there's the, the step ahead of the financials is you've got to think about what, what are you transitioning to, right? I can't stress this enough. We've talked about this for a decade, yeah. right? But we see it happen all the time where it's, I'm done, I'm leaving this. That's not enough. Yeah. I'm leaving this to go where? Yeah. Okay, and it can change. The, the destination can change, but you have to go somewhere, Yeah. right? Because there's a big gap you and have to And that's a very scary part there, Dave. Right. When, when, when we say you have to know what you're retiring to, not right. only what you're retiring from, right. You may not know what you're retiring to. You just know you want to leave what you're what you're leaving. Right. And so, having that that sense of security, right, the financial and emotional security that you're ready to move on to whatever challenge yeah. or whatever you want to lead with yeah. in your future, at least you know you're prepared. Right. Right. right? And it's going to change. I mean, th- this is the important thing. You can't make a decision of what you're going to do for the rest of your life if you're 60 years old. Yeah. It's going to change for sure. So, so don't put that kind of pressure on yourself, right? Just put the, just get to the retirement. So what are you going to do? We always talk about the first two years. Yeah. It's the honeymoon period. Honeymoon phase of retirement. Right. Absolutely. Now, lots of things happen in the honeymoon. 
Yeah. That's not where I want to live, or I don't want to travel there all the time, or I can't golf every day, or I really do enjoy some aspects of my job, or I want to work a little bit, and I'm going to go back and do this. There's a whole bunch of things. Yeah, you're figuring it out. That's exactly right. So here's the step, right? We know what we're leaving. I'm exhausted. I've got to make this decision. Where are you going? For the next two years, mm-hmm. where are you going to go? Great. What's it going to cost to go there? Right? And I don't mean physical place, just to do have the experience you want. Yeah. Okay? Put some numbers to that. Okay? Do your planning. Build that security, uh, that, that mental security, emotional security, and ultimately that's driven by do the financial numbers work. Yeah. And then it's going to evolve. Right? It, it will. It'll, It'll change, change every 24 months in our experience. All the time. Retiring hundreds of times with our clients. I can tell you that your vision of what you want to do in retirement will change every 24 months, every two years. It, yeah. we, the clients come back to us and say, uh, I want to tweak it or something big's changed in my life or and I, now I want to do yeah. the following. And yeah. that, that adjusts the numbers. So, so if you're exhausted and you're facing this, take a step back. Have a glass of wine with your spouse. Sit down, figure out where the destination is. What does it look like for the next two years? Then connect with a professional that can help you uh, reaffirm that that base, that your security that is there and that you can take that step. This is a very vulnerable stage in life and requires a specialist to help you along the way. So I, I definitely say that, you know, don't just pick anybody to help you through this. Make yeah. sure you pick the right team. And I use the word team as importance. Yeah because there's financial, there's emotional side of things that are that can help you through this, that do this for a living. Yeah, yeah. Don't accept we do that too. We talk about it all the time. All the right? time. It's, this is not a special, uh, this is not a, a, a general practitioner. We do that too. That's not good enough. This is the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't accept that at all. And, and, and so when you're going through this process, there are steps you need to take. Why don't we talk about uh, to our listeners that they have the opportunity to listen to our process? Yeah, and listen, um, I think this is an important time to throw it in this this we're just educating about what we think those steps are to get you ready transitioning into and living through retirement right this is purely an educational process that we want to so if you're thinking about that join us there's no cost there's no risk there's no obligation on your part we just want to share with you how we think um, you do it effectively and we've seen it done effectively hundreds of times you can join us on tuesday october 20th 7 p.m live online Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break if you want to avoid some of the common mistakes that can lead to fights within families because of your estate. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, We talk a lot about um, uh, legacy bucket, Mm -hmm. right? Passing on uh, assets to the next generation, of course, tax planning and preparing for that. And it's, it's a complicated area, right? Yeah. Estate planning. And there's been some, there's an interesting case that we came across yeah. um, about a will that was challenged and um, there were some major changes made to it for some very specific reasons. So one of the questions you are, you ask when we have the legacy bucket with our clients is within your beneficiaries, is everybody getting along? Right. You know, what's like the family dynamics? what's the family dynamics? You know, if you split it up this way, is there going to be fights you think? Right. So on and so forth. You right. ask those questions to kind of get them thinking about what could go wrong. Because right. when you when you pass on your assets, it's now no longer in your hands and you're gone. And, Absolutely. And now it's up to whoever receives it. And, and then this case that came out of British Columbia was a very interesting case because the way it got reversed and changed. And then we said, well, okay, let's talk about that. But then what about Alberta? Because laws are different province to province. And then let's talk about, well, this is a litigation case. So yeah. let's get... 
you know, the brains out there. Let's get the ones who are right. who are doing the, the litigation in court right. and have their perspective. So this is going to be a great piece right here. We've got Jennifer Lamb, a state litigator partner at Cars Callen LLP. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be having this discussion uh, this morning on a very, I think, popular and uh, complex topic. It is complex, yeah. and and we're going to try to, and we can't do justice in the time we have, Jennifer, clearly, but we want to try to give people an understanding. We're going to deal with this case first, uh, because what happened is the, the will, the way it was written, was challenged and ultimately overturned, and there's some specific reasons for that. So what can we, maybe just tell us a little bit about this case first, and then... Um, and then we'll get into what we what we can learn from that as you're thinking about planning for your own will in a state. Absolutely. Um, so the interesting thing about this case is the fact that first principles is it comes from British. It's, it's a British Columbia case, and BC's laws with respect to wills and estates are very very different from what we have in Alberta in terms of legislation. So just in, as a starting point, in Alberta. An adult child cannot challenge a will unless they can qualify themselves as a family member, mm-hmm. which essentially is you cannot work or earn an income by reason of physical or mental disability. Whereas in BC, they don't have a similar test. Adult okay. children can challenge wills um, if they feel as though they're disinherited um, without any sort of uh, test like there is in Alberta. So it's a very interesting case, and there's many, many um, similar cases, such as the, the Skurek decision, whereby an adult child can apply to set aside a will um, on the basis of unfairness or, um, uh, I guess, just a, a perception that, that they've not been treated fairly. And so in Alberta, I think this goes to show that testamentary freedom so a, a testator can do what they want with their estate um, is sort of paramount, subject to, of course, moral and legal obligations to to family members. So I can get into that in a little bit more detail, but happy to happy to carry on the discussion. Yeah. L- let's go with the case that happened in BC. So uh, the individual passes away, passes on his assets. Let's use an easy number of almost one point six million dollars. He right. passes on his assets. He gives, and correct me if I'm wrong, half goes to son, one-sixth goes to his daughter, and then his daughter has some children, and then the remaining one-sixth each goes to his grandchildren. Yep, that's absolutely bang on with the facts. Okay, so now the daughter comes back and says, I'm going to challenge the will. Exactly, yeah. In fact, my brother shouldn't get his half. I should get half. He should get one-sixth. Let's call it a day. Exactly. That's exactly what she did. So she basically said that her brother, Peter, his share should be reduced to one-sixth and her share should be increased to half. And she made several different arguments in that case, including the fact that um, he was financially stable with real estate and investment assets, you know, valuing upwards of $3 million. Um, Plus, he also received some gifts that went to him outside of the estate. So these were the various arguments that that Lydia made um, in terms of trying to up her share and reduce her brother's. Now, there is in BC this thing about called moral obligation. Right. And so in this case, the daughter is uh, disabled. 
has no assets, unemployed, even though his, her brother is, uh, is work, unable to work due to disability, but he was financially stable. So mm-hmm. the courts basically came out, Jennifer, and said that, that the person who passed away has the moral obligation to take care of, their, of his daughter? That's exactly, as I, as I read the case and I've interpreted the case, um, the court found that the will must be varied because it did not make adequate provision for the daughter. Um, based on you know the, the various factors that they considered, so it, it, it's sort of going back to the similarities between Alberta and BC. Um, the Supreme Court of Cat, Canada in Tatarin in Tatarin Estate um, confirmed that a testator has both moral and legal obligations to provide for any dependents. So that would be someone your spouse, your adult interdependent partner, minor children, or adult children who are disabled um and that you know so if you say if you say in your will if you write a will that you're leaving everything to um your best friend bob yet you have a wife and children i mean the court will certainly look at you know moral and legal obligations to make sure that people are provided for on on one's death so what can we learn from this and again i understand that bc law and alberta law is different jennifer but when somebody is sitting down and thinking through um their you know what their plan is upon their passing what what do they need to consider what you know give some high level as they're thinking through this to make sure that it doesn't end up in court and and you know the gift is not given nor received in the way you want it and all of those things are avoided Absolutely. And so the first, the starting point is a proper estate plan where the first question you're asking is, do you have a spouse? Do you have an adult interdependent partner? So you may not be married, but if you have been residing and continuously cohabitating for three years or more in a relationship of interdependence, you have to provide for either your spouse or your adult interdependent partner. Second question, do you have minor children? Thirdly, do you have adult children who, by reason of physical or mental disability, cannot earn an income? So that is really the starting point as to how you wish to divide your estate. You, even if you would want to leave um, these any of these individuals nothing, which would be unusual, but it does happen, um, you, you can open your will up if it's not properly done to claims against your estate by these individuals. And so, so even so- if... Go ahead. Dave, it means your your wife can't kick you out of the will. She has to. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. That's right. Let her know that, okay? Yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, so, exactly, Jennifer, could, so to could avoid the same thing? Court, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, Dave. No, I was just going to say, could the same thing happen in Alberta? So again, I understand that BC laws and Alberta laws are different, but can an Alberta resident end up in the same sort of situation given the same set of facts that this BC resident did? So they could, but let's just take out the BC residence facts to say she wasn't disabled. Okay. She was easily um, uh, able to earn an income and she applied to vary the will. BC may well have varied the will. Alberta courts most likely would have not because, again, we have a completely different test for family maintenance and support pursuant to our Wills and Succession Act. So That's perfect right there, Jen. I'm going to ask you just to hold on. We're going to have to go to commercial break. I'm going to come back and we're going to talk to about 
How do you set yourself up to prevent to go to court? Basically, I'm saying, how do you not get a job anymore, Jen? <laughs> but, uh, and uh, the second thing is, there is some different rules in BC, in Alberta, sorry, that we have to be aware of, and we need to make sure that we address those. So we're going to come back after commercial break and talk about how to prevent your will going to court. Okay, so don't forget, though, that, that will and estate plan, that legacy box, is an important piece of the overall lifestyle plan, all of which we're going to be talking about our our next um, webinar. Coming on Tuesday, October the 20th, 7 o'clock, live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, stick around because your kids are going to fight in court over your money when you die. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We're joined by Jennifer Lamb, estate litigator, partner, at um, Cars Collin LLP, and we're talking about estates and will planning. And you know, in, in the last segment, we talked about uh, will being overturned effectively, yeah. right? So the wishes uh, didn't match the legal and moral obligations in BC. We also come, have come to learn that there's very different rules in Alberta and BC. The goal for everybody in their estate planning is to really think about the gift that they want to leave behind, how they want it to be given and received. Right. And ultimately reduce complexity. Make sure that you don't end up in court and, you know, you're fighting over this stuff and the family dynamic deteriorates as a result of it. Yeah. Right. So, um, Jennifer, first of all, welcome back. And thank you for that. So the uh, the education that we got last hour, let's pick up the conversation and talk a little bit about um, how do we avoid it? What are the common mistakes that people make yeah. while they're um, you know, planning their wills that ultimately lead to a bad place? Absolutely. So I think number one is that people tend to procrastinate their estate planning. So especially with uh, complex family dynamics, potentially second, third spouses with adult children from other relationships or marriages, you've got a problem where you you know there's a there's a lack of um, updated documents in place. And there is also, and I understand that, no one likes to sit down and talk about and think about their own mortality and how they want their estate to go when they pass away. Um, but it is a, such an important step to take. And it's also, I see, um, the the mo- very complex and uh, very high conflict estate litigation matters arise because there's been a lack of communication within the family. And so kids, they lose one or or both of their parents, they don't understand what was intended. There's challenges um, among potential manipulation, uh, coercion, and this usually comes or arises um, from sort of subsequent relationships and adult children. So I think the best uh, advice that I could provide is that it's open the lines of communication, be very open and honest with who, what you're with your children and what you want them to receive and also have very good professional advisors to guide you through and not put this off because oftentimes we'll see, um, you know, the best of intentions, uh, but nothing was ever formalized. Mm -hmm. And then that can lead to complicated legal disputes. Jennifer, um, I don't think the average person in Alberta understands what the process is that takes it from writing a will, passing away, then the will gets disputed and ends up in court. Like you deal with the cases that go to court. So bef- uh, yeah. how does it get to you? Like what happened? What's the process where it ends up in your hands and then you have to go to court to, I'm going to use the words, fight this out. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So there's a, a number of different scenarios. Um, one, the sort of most common scenario that we encounter is that um, a party is challenging the validity of a will. So either it was not, um, it does not meet the formal requirements of valid execution. So it wasn't properly witnessed. It wasn't properly um, constituted under the Wills and Succession Act. But even more commonly, you have suspicions of a lack of mental capacity. So someone, for example, was taken to a new lawyer. I've got a file right now, actually, 10 days before she died, um, advanced terminal cancer under a lot of pain medication completely changed her will with a new lawyer 10 days before she died and she completely cut her spouse out and it was her adult children who were procuring this so that's a very common challenge to a will where you say it's usually a combination of either a lack of mental capacity and or the presence of suspicious circumstances and so then the onus shifts um, basically, it's a very sort of complicated legal process, but we, uh, the surrogate rules provide for a process by where the, the challenger, um, the propounder of the will has to prove due execution. And then the parties that are challenging the validity have the onus to prove suspicious circumstances. And we run those, we run those files all of the time. Quite, it's a very high, high bar to prove suspicious circumstances to undo or prove that a will is invalid um, but there there's multiple multiple cases around it and it, unfortunately it's happening all the time that we see essentially it's elder abuse if you feel as though mm-hmm. someone is being taken advantage of by their family members or by a caregiver for example Jennifer what what obligation responsibility does the lawyer or the legal community in this particular case have in in, in an instance like that right I mean you didn't obviously the lawyer wouldn't have known that person was going to pass away in 10 days but um, is there some obligation or is there some, is that just sloppy work or is there, is there, you know, what, what's the obligation there? Absolutely. And that's a, that's a really difficult question, but I can tell you because I also do estate planning is that when we're presented with someone who is, um, we have various checklists. Okay, as a starting point in terms of assessing capacity, and we're not medical professionals, we're not physicians, sure. um, but we we certainly capacity is a legal definition, not a medical diagnosis, and gotcha. so we have very various checklists that if we're concerned that someone may be declining, and may have um, mental health or or just cognition concerns, we go through a very detailed checklist with them. I always want to meet with the client independently. I don't want to have family members in the room. I don't want to be taking instructions from family members. I want to make sure that I'm taking instructions from my client um, to who, who is instructing me to prepare their estate planning documents. Um, but in terms of the, the capacity question, I often will, if I'm very concerned about manipulation, coercion, mental capacity, I will um, ask that they uh, submit to a a formal capacity assessment by a specialist in the area. There's a couple in Calgary, um, neuropsychological experts who will do very detailed capacity assessments to make sure that um, there's testamentary capacity, because if you don't have that, that even opens up the estate further to be challenged. Yeah, it just seems to me that would be an obvious first step. If somebody was making a drastic change and you knew there was some medical conditions, like why? What's driving this, right? There's a red flag there for sure. So it's nice to hear that there are some 
processes in place. However, what it does is it leads to a complicated legal process, right? One way or another, this, this, this case goes there, yeah. Exactly. Complicated, expensive, emotionally taxing, and can be very devastating to a family. So um, I've, I've oftentimes refused um, to take instructions if I feel as though capacity is in, is in a real, um, it's very, in, very much an issue because as a solicitor, I have a duty to the client to reflect their testamentary intes- intentions. So when you talk about was it just sloppy work, maybe, but maybe not, because also elderly people with dementia can have good days and bad days. And oh, yeah, they can no, also yeah. be very convincing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, trust me, I've got a, uh, my mother has dementia and there are days, you, you know, she, you would never know, right? But, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, it's very interesting to see. You know, Jen, there's there's so much that we can talk about this. I know you and I have had off-air conversations about this. I just love learning from you about what goes on in this world because it does impact our listeners. It does impact our clients. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially, uh, one thing I learned about today so f- is that when you move from one province yeah. to another, yeah. the rules change. So people from BC right. coming to Alberta, Alberta going to BC, very common uh, between the two provinces the rules change. You need to update your estate plan on that, and that's a very uh, a big learning outcome. Jen, we could be doing this forever. Unfortunately, um, somebody in, in chorus will cut us off if we keep on talking. <laughs> so uh, I want you to come back again if you can and give us some more information, more advice, and, and really help our listeners understand that this is a, a process that needs to go through. Well, I would love to continue the conversation uh, with you, Dave and Faisal, at any time. I think these are just such important um important concerns and with uh, the baby the last of the baby boomer generation turning 65 in mm. the year of 2024 and the transfer of wealth we're going to see in our province i just think this is um such a pertinent issue for for all of us advisors as we're helping our clients navigate through some difficult times and making sure that they're not ending up in court and their families aren't en- ending up in court uh once they've passed away so we'd love to continue the conversation uh uh Anytime. Sounds good. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. We've been joined by, Je- uh, by Jennifer Lamb. So she's an estate litigator. If you want to get a hold of her, she's a partner at Cars Callan LLP. Uh, thanks again for all of your input. Now, the, the estate, okay, is part of the overall lifestyle plan. We call it the legacy bucket, but it's an important piece of the family dynamic of transitioning that wealth, right? Of proper tax planning, of all those things. And these are all the topics plus more that we're going to be talking about. The team that you're going to have that's going to help you transition to and live through retirement needs to talk about not only your retirement income, but this health and legacy buckets that that need to be discussed as you age and as you go through retirement. And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, October 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. If you're nervous about how the U.S. election could influence your investments, stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, this segment's going to be a good one because I'm going to hit you right off the bat, Faisal. That if we get a Democratic president here in November, the markets are tanking. It's over. It's Every, over. Everybody knows equities oh are going down Oh, my God. Be careful. Right. Are you ready? Yep. You want to know the answer right away or do you want to go through some of the data? Well, build it up a little. I'll give you a drum roll. Give me some data. Give you some data? Yeah. Okay. Let's go back since uh, 1945. Of course. Why? Because I have no life. I have to do this kind of research, right? (laughs) In fact, when you look at the research, in all years, and I'm talking about the Standard & Poor's 500, the S&P 500 returns. Okay. Going back to 1945, in all years, the average rate of return of the S&P 500 is 12.6%. Okay. 
We're getting into an election. People are worried about this type of stuff. Yep. You know, Trump, Biden, who's going to win and what's the impact? And people are actually keeping money off the table. Well, and the price of options, right, protecting uh, are going higher, right, as we get closer to the, the election. The cost of insurance yeah. for things to go down if there yeah. was one or the other. Vegas is getting involved on the bets on that. Yeah. So let me go through some of the data since 1945. If we've had a Republican president, yeah. average rate of return during a Republican president, 10.56%. Historically. Historically, going back to 1945. Okay. A Democrat? The Democrats actually do better for the stock market than the Republicans do. Oh, boy. I hope there's no um, Republicans listening. My job is to report the news, not to create it. (laughs) Okay? So I'm just telling you what the data says. (laughs) Okay. Right. So now when we look at historical data, do we place our money based on historical data? Maybe. Maybe. Do we place our money Mm. on what we think is going to happen if Biden gets in, Trump gets reelected, and so forth? Okay, so... Maybe. No, no. Uh, Economic growth, market fundamentals, earnings growth, valuations, that's what we invest in. And here's what I said to our clients, and I'm going to send that video out to them. I said this. There are two facts that we have for sure. Number one, that there's an election in the United States every four years. Mm-hmm. Number two. Although Trump might try to change that. But, okay. but right now, just <laughs> okay, report okay. the news. Okay. Don't create oh, okay. it. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> so right now, election every four years. Yeah. Right now, we know the economy goes in cycles. Right. Now, sometimes those cycles coincide. Right. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, right. And so when you're investing, when we invest for our clients... We invest on the economic cycles. We do not invest on the president, the prime minister, or any other political figure Mm -hmm. because the economy and how the economy is moving will dictate how companies make money, which will dictate their profits, which is how we make money for our clients when we're investing in the stock market. Right. And listen, we're not suggesting that that, um, public policy, like new uh, uh, presidential or... administration policy can't have an effect that's because it can have an effect on the economic cycle and so on and so forth so we're not saying that but it, it was only four years ago do you remember leading up to the uh, the election the uh, uh clinton and do you remember Trump? at the time of the election and yeah. as the results were coming in we were looking at the futures market and the options yeah. and so forth yeah. and you and i were texting a little bit yeah. back and forth wow it was crazy wasn't it but but do you remember so i want to take you back remember there's a one of our clients had called, and, and I know you'll remember this, how concerned he was about uh, about a Trump win, right? And what was going to happen and so on and so forth. How concerned the markets were, the volatility in the futures markets, all of these things. And what happened after it? <laughs> it just went straight up. Yeah. So you, we have to be very careful. We talk about this a lot, right? We talk about this all the time. There's not one single factor that drives markets. I mean, it can on a short-term, very short-term basis, create volatility, yes, Okay? But it is not about who's president, right? It's a much bigger picture than that. And you have to be very careful um, about trying to make all-in bets on anything, including a four-year presidential cycle. Man, the research that we have, and I, and I gave you a copy of it, on 
all the different combinations that can happen in an election. Right. Um, Democrat, Republican, Democrat president, Republican Congress, Congress yeah. Re Republican president, president, Democrat Congress, full sweep, all these different combinations. Right. The differential isn't that big. Right. It is not that big. It's not like it's a 5 or 10% differential right. between one scenario to the other, which goes back to our thesis that economics leads the, the markets, not the president, right. not Congress. Right. Because they only have a certain amount of influence right. on the economy. Right. They're not the economy. Right. And that's where I think listeners of this show should take away, because when we manage money, Dave, I don't think we've ever sat down and said, hey, so-and-so is going to be the next president or coming back into term. Let's invest the following. Right. Well, in fact, if you would have asked me in the last presidential cycle, I'd have been wrong. So having this conversation with this client, he was right on Trump. I was wrong. I thought the polls were going to tell him. So if we had acted on that, we would have been totally wrong. Yeah. Right? And with Obama. Right. And although he got the president right, his thesis was entirely wrong about what happened. And so the result he was trying to protect against, because Trump was going to be elected, which means this, was totally wrong. Correct. So why put your retirement at risk? And, and when, I'll talk risk in two different factions, two factors. Number one is risk by saying, I'm going to make a decision on my portfolio based upon what I think the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. Or not do anything. Take paralysis mm, yeah. or deferral. Because there's a lot of people with cash sitting on the sidelines saying, I'm waiting for the election. Yep. What will the election tell you? Right. What's the outcome? Right. If Trump gets reelected, what are you saying? Everything's going to be what? If Biden gets elected, everything's like, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on one outcome. Yeah, and it's never one outcome. That's, Correct. That's the point. And what's going to happen with the coronavirus? Add so, to that? What's gonna not, what's, yeah. so why not have a disciplined approach to how you invest? Yeah. There's a lot of people in this country that have cash sitting on the sidelines and they want to deploy. Why can't we go back to fundamentals? Mm -hmm. Are these companies that I'm buying, good companies that grow their earnings through the economic cycle, that will make me money. Right. Why isn't that the question? Right. Why is it always, well, what's Trump going to do about this? And what's Biden going to do about this? And what about our prime minister and our premier? And I'm like, what? Right. I've never heard anybody buy a business. I'm talking about a business owner in this city or in this country. Buy strictly based upon who the president of the United States is. Or buy their business purely based upon who the prime minister is. I've heard rumblings. Right. Oh, if so-and-so sure. gets elected, I'm selling my business. Right. Nah, hardly happens. Right. Yeah, not very often. But we do that with the stock market like it, it, it's, it's not the same thing. It right. is the same thing. Yep. Yep. So. Okay. I, you know, I, I think it's this, whether it's the presidential election cycle, whether it is the coronavirus, whether it is, whatever, pick your poison, like it, whatever it is that you're focused on that's a problem today yeah. that you're worried about, okay? Um, it is an important element of thinking through it, right? You need to have a thesis. You need to have a probability of different outcomes. Correct. But that's the discipline, right? That That's what you have to put into into play. And, you know, we've, we've been quite vocal about this. We're not we're, we don't run the kind of practice where you make a big bet on anything, right? We've just been in this business for too long to know that, that there are 
so many moving pieces that you can't anticipate. You have to underweight and overweight and not make giant so bets. many places around the world you can make money. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to pick one outcome like a U.S. election is going to kill the entire stock market around the world. All right. of these 100,000 companies are going to go well, negative right. for a long period of time right. because of a change in price. Are you sure? Right. right. Yeah, you just you, you've got to take the emotion out. You need the discipline, and then you need the probabilities, right? And Come let's talk it. about how we do our discipline. What's our five pillar investment strategy approach to bulletproof your retirement? We're going to talk about that on our seminar Tuesday, October twentieth, seven p.m. live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on seven seventy CHQR. You're here with Faisal and Dave, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.